Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Um, We're going to dive in. We're in the third week, I think. The uh, third or fourth week in this series called Delighted. And there's a verse that King David wrote in Psalm 37 where he says, Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so we've been kind of looking at this, taking delight in the Lord, and what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? And uh, so hopefully you've been getting a lot out of it. But uh, today I want to just come at delighting in the Lord maybe at a little bit different of an angle. Uh, than what maybe what we're familiar with. Um, so, yeah, it's just a message that kind of comes out of my own life that, um, uh, that I've kind of experienced this. And uh, uh, I grew up in church. Sorry, I'm kind of stumbling here. Um, I grew up in church. I kind of knew about the Lord. I knew the gospel. Um, uh, but it wasn't until I was in college where I really gave my heart to the Lord. I was 19. A couple years later, I felt God called me into full-time ministry. Uh, that was very specific. And um, so I go into ministry at like 22, 23. And at 29 and th- or 30, somewhere around that kind of like uh, time frame, uh, God broke something in me that I didn't know that had been passively running in the background my whole life. But it took a little while of being in the kingdom for me to actually, one, notice it. And then two, to kind of actually respond from it. And so um, that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning is, is this way of uh, maybe what de- maybe holds us back from delighting in the Lord. Um, and so as we've been going through this series, God kind of brought this teaching back up, but it's this. A son or a daughter can delight in their father. An orphan cannot. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, Lord, just thank you, God, for your word. And that, God, that as we see your word and as we get into your word and as we see the words of Jesus and see the unfolding of your story, God, I pray that you would help us see that you're a loving Heavenly Father, the Father that we've been actually designed to be in relationship with. And that, God, that we No matter where we're at with you, I pray that our hearts would become like sons and daughters in your kingdom and not as orphans. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus could have used any title to reference God. When you think about it, Jesus could have picked any title he could have used to reference God about Yahweh, Everybody familiar, was familiar with Yahweh? How about Elohim? That's another word. That's another name. Uh, how about uh, Sovereign Lord? Yep, that's a good one. That's a good, how about Creator? That's descriptive. That's, yep, He is Creator. Um, you, he could have used El Jefe. You know, but Jesus didn't use El Jefe. Uh, he could have chosen any word to describe what His relationship was with God, and he chose Father. He's expressing the familial relationship 
with the Father that he has had since the beginning of creation. It's a family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each with their own uniqueness, but in complete harmony and difference to one another. And you and I have been designed and made to experience family. That's how we get our model for marriage and family is from the Trinity. It's not just some uh, cultural, societal thing that we kind of came up with, thought that'd be a good idea. But a husband and wife with kids and a family, it's God tries to reproduce who he is in the earth. And you and I have been designed to experience family. He's our awe-inspiring, great, kind, compassionate, patient, strong, almighty, loving Father. And if we go back to the beginning, just to kind of see it with these father, son, daughter, kind of familial lenses, I think we'll kind of see a little bit more than maybe what we've seen before. If we go back to the beginning in the garden, we see a picture of a son and a daughter enjoying their father. Given the task of subduing the earth in partnership with a loving, caring, trustworthy father, they were experiencing unconditional love because that's what they've been made to experience. And yet they chose to distrust God. They, They got tricked into believing that he was withholding something from them. And they go from experiencing his love to hiding behind a bush. And behind this bush, we try to hide from God. It's interesting that, that almost, if not all, arguably, all religions are found behind the bush. And it's to ask the question, what do I need to do to get back into relationship with God? And so we hide behind this bush, and we can live behind this bush. We can live in shame, we can live kind of hiding who we are, but whether we live like that or not, a lot of times we're born that way. We're kind of born kind of hiding, born kind of busted. And though they were created to be sons and daughters, they became thinking and acting like orphans, without a father, without trust, without safety. And they were separated from their father, and we too, I would say, are born as spiritual orphans. But it's interesting how much these orphanic tendencies bleed into our walk with God. And as I was saying at the beginning, it was something that I had a part of my life. Even though I had known him, I'd been walking with him, and I was even in ministry, it was something that I never saw. Or at least never connected with. That's probably a better way to say it. Romans 8, Paul understood this. Paul spoke directly to this orphanic or uh, kind of mindset. Romans eight fifteen says this, Paul says this to the church in Rome. You should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead as God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Abba, Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children And so it was on the cross that God took the initiative to bring us back to himself to make us whole again. Jesus takes all that orphanity and exchanges it for sonship, for daughtership, or just this this, this beautiful exchange. And Paul was kind of reminding the church in Rome, you should not act like fearful, cowering slaves. 
kind of like a heart of an orphan, versus you should behave like God's own very children. He's trying to remind them. These are all believers. That is the audience of the Roman church. He's trying to remind them, don't go back to that way of living like a slave like you used to. That's part of your old life. Come into this new life that God has for you as God's own children. Paul says it a different way uh, in Galatians. Galatians 4, Paul says this, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could adopt us, he could adopt us as his very own children. And because you Gentiles have become his children, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. And now you can call God your dear father. You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, everything he has belongs to you. Whoa. Sometimes these things that the scriptures declare, it's sometimes very hard for us to even be able to comprehend that we're, only, we're his own children. If you were to th- kind of think about it in a natural family, okay, let's say you were married and you, you had kids and you would want your children to, when they are home, to be their full selves, their real selves. But it would be kind of sad as a parent if your child is afraid to come to you or feels like if they come to you that they're going to get an X type of response or that they would feel like, hey, in order for me to see dad, I got to clean up my room. I got to clean up. I got to clean up all this mess. I got to make my room look perfect before dad gets home. A family doesn't act like that. A healthy family. But a lot of times we haven't necessarily crossed over into this lifestyle of living like a son or a daughter of God and seeing ourselves as joint heirs with Jesus, seeing ourselves as royalty from the King of Kings, a part of his family with his mission, and standing in that confidence, knowing that there's nothing in us that's worthy to be talked about, but it's the King of Kings that we can confidently stand and represent. It's hard to comprehend this, but we must. The heart of a spiritual orphan. Let me kind of uh, uh, describe what's this, what this kind of looks like. The heart of a spiritual orphan is categorized by fear. Okay? Tons of fear. But fear in very specific ways. Fear, the first fear, is fear of trust. An orphan is afraid to trust. Uh, there might have been some broken relationships. There's maybe reasons for an orphan uh, doesn't trust, but there's this cycle that happens when, when, we have a, when we're afraid to trust. What's the alternative? It's mistrust. And when we live with mistrust for long enough, that forms a guardedness to our heart. If we're mistrusting people, then the natural result is I'm going to guard my heart, and as I guard my heart, I slowly become more and more isolated, more and more independent more and more lonely, more and more wondering, wow, what kind of life is this? And so this fear of trust really is very pronounced in an orphan heart. Another fear is a fear of abandonment or a fear of rejection, but this is 
Um, this isn't just kind of a superficial, or not superficial, uh, like um, I'm in a public setting and I am afraid of being rejected. This is more to do with a core belief that I will be abandoned. That I will be abandoned one day. And there's this, there's this lie or this fear that begins whispering into us that you're going to be abandoned one day. And now we might have been abandoned by people. But a lot of times when we see God, we kind of lump God in with all the other people. It's somebody outside myself that I don't trust, that I fear am going to be abandoned by. And so it can kind of keep us in this constant state of insecurity and inferiority, meaning I'm not worth much, my worth is less than. This inferiority, insecurity, life is the fruit. And again, with the fear of trust, there's a distance. With the fear of abandonment, there's a distance. And the last kind of predominant fear, the not exhaustive list at all, but a fear of opening their hearts to love and intimacy. A fear of love and intimacy. Because they've, most of the time, people are only familiar with conditional love. Meaning, if you behave this certain way, I'll do this. But if you don't behave that certain way, I'm going to withhold my love from you or I'm going to control and manipulate and be mean. I could be aggressive or I could be passive in that expression of love. But love has only been experienced as conditional, so they, experience God's, they, they expect God's love to be the same. And again, there's distance. So this fear of trust, abandonment, and revealing or opening our heart up to love and intimacy, this fear can paralyze and, and destroy us. <laughs> disable us. We either live our life as if we have a home, or we live our life as if we don't have a home. We either live our life feeling safe, secure, at rest in Father God's heart, experiencing His, His love and giving it away, or we live with apprehension and uncertainty, struggling constantly with fear of trusting, the fear of abandonment, the fear of opening our heart to be loved. So without a sense of home and operating out of these fears, we soon pursue counterfeit affections. So because we don't have that place where we feel safe and secure, and we're not feeling the love that we've been designed to operate in and under, what comes is counterfeit affections. And that's where we go instead of leaning into our Heavenly Father that embraces us, that loves us, that nurtures us, that encourages us, that refills us, refuels us, refreshes us. Instead, we go to counterfeit affections. And that would be uh, pleasure. A lot of P words to this. Pleasure. Performance. Power or position. Possessions, counterfeit affections. We're talking about counterfeit affections. Pleasure, performance, power, position, possessions, people. I got to know the right people. I got to be around the right people. Or places. I need to be in this particular place for me. It's gotta, I got to be here. If I'm not here, then I can't really serve God. So we have these kind of like counterfeit affections that we slowly give our energy and mind and attention to, and then we're kind of lost in this orphanage of life. 
But these driving fears can only be satisfied in one place, and it's the loving embrace of your heavenly Father that created you and knows you. Isaiah 43, God says this, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. You see the the pursuant love in that statement. I didn't leave you. I came after you. I ransomed you, and I brought you into life. I called you by name, and you're mine. I love that. 1 John 4.18 says there's no love, no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. When we experience unconditional love in a way that we never have, we're only then able to reproduce that unconditional love in others. But if we've never experienced an unconditional love, what's in its place is that fear. That fear and what happens is we begin manifesting that fear through our life and we'll never experience that that, that place of truly delighting in God, that you can be at home with Him, you can come to Him, no matter what's going on in your life, to say, Dad, Father, Abba, I need you. If you look at Jesus, what did Jesus ultimately model for us during His time here on earth? I mean, when you really think about it, what was Jesus obviously being the Son of God Dying on the cross for our sins, so, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when you really think about his job description on earth, what was it? Was it to be a good leader? Was it to be like the most popular rabbi around? I believe, if you were to see it through a certain lens, I believe Jesus' job was to reveal to mankind what a son looks like being a son of the living God. For that was his full, whole focus. John 5, 19, I assure you the son can do nothing by himself. He, only, he does only what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. This connection to his father and his father's mission. It was he, and like we talked about last week or week before, he would always break away, he would always slip away to go what? People, his father, to get connected because he enjoyed. And it's interesting, almost every time the Gospels write that he went away and spent time with the Father alone, almost every time when he comes back down, something crazily miraculous happens. Almost every time. So there's something that Jesus is trying to teach us about what does it mean to follow him. Jesus demonstrated and modeled powerfully and perfectly what it looked like to be intimately to be intimately connected to his father as a son john 6 38 says for i've come down from heaven to do the will of god who sent me not to do what i want not to do what i want in john 14 jesus in john 14 as he's kind of priming his disciples before he goes away to get betrayed and crucified jesus outright declares that he will not leave them, the disciples, as orphans. He uses that word, orphans. But I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will shepherd you, counsel you, guide you. God is saying, you have a home with me. A home is a place of safety and security, a place of warmth and love. Home is a place where you go where where if everything and everybody that day is just come against you and beating you up, 
And as you turn to your father, you say, God, I've had a rough day. And in response, you hear, no matter what anybody else says, you are the child I love and on whom my favor rests. So when it comes to delighting in your father, the question is, is there any kind of orphanness still in there? Still in the ingredients? Where you're afraid to trust. You're afraid to trust God, or, or maybe it's just even, I'm afraid to trust God's people. Or maybe I'm, I, I'm really afraid of being rejected or abandoned by God. But yet He gives you His promise, I will never leave you or forsake you, I'll always be with you. No matter what you do, you, I can't love you any less than what I do right now, and no matter what you do, I can't love you anymore. You get it all, right from the start. But this sense of feeling at home, do you feel at home with the Lord? Sometimes we can kind of take uh, the concept of God and we acknowledge God and His presence, but there's a difference in between acknowledging His presence and welcoming His presence. One's an intellectual exercise, the other is an experiential to welcome his presence. It's God, I'm welcoming your presence because I know that he's my good father and that I can always run to him. And this is what really um, uh, changed my life. It was when I was 29, and th- or, or around then, around 29, I was striving so hard, I was trying so hard, I was trying to prove myself. Um, uh, when things didn't really go my way, when things didn't kind of pan out, I would, I would kind of have a little fit with the Lord and whine and complain. And, um, and there was a lot of things that I just, it was, it was really still about me. It was really still, it was all about my own life. I was so self-consumed, even though I was married and had kids. Uh, in hindsight, to where maybe today, it was like, man, I was so wrapped up in my own head. And I, and I had just, there were fears of abandonment. There was, there was fears of, Uh, mistrust because a lot of things happened in my life that didn't go according to plan and so there was there was an there was an aspect that I could mistrust God there was a God this was my expectation this is what I thought was going to happen but instead God came and he's like man you're thinking like an orphan and not like a son I was like wow I really am I don't feel at home with the Lord I've never felt at home. At, at times it felt like I was just trying to put on a mask and a face. And, but there's this beautiful invitation that Jesus offers to everyone. This invitation to come into his family. Because that's what he's building on the earth. That's what he's building in us. His spiritual family. And God wants to break. If there's any of that fear of trust or fear of abandonment or fear of opening up to love and intimacy. God really wants to heal that part of your heart and to see you set free and made home with the Lord. And so as I was praying about this message, I, um, I kind of had a sense that this wasn't necessarily for everyone, but I felt like God's to say preach it because there's some people in here that do. And so uh, if that's you, if that's like, man, I, I get that. I get that, 
that mistrust. I totally get that abandonment piece. That's how I feel. God wants to break that over your life. He wants to see you experientially welcomed into his family so you can truly delight in the God who made you. But that orphan mindset will kind of keep a little distance from us. We can kind of conceptually, intellectually kind of agree to, but it's very difficult for us to kind of enter in and experience God. God never created you to be an orphan with no home. He created you to be a beloved son or daughter who has found a home in his embrace. And so as we kind of go into some prayer, I just really want to kind of come before the Lord and just say, God, let's just pray. (laughs) Jesus. Um, Lord, you know us. And God, we just uh, ask you, God, to just come in. Lord, if there's an orphan heart in us, God, I pray that you would do surgery this morning. God, take that fear trust. God, take that fear of abandonment and just, God, just dig it out. God, we give that to you and we say, God, if we've known you, God, we repent of living like an orphan and not as a royal son and daughter, a joint heir with Jesus. God, that you said because we're your children that everything you have belongs to us. God, that makes us the richest people on the planet because it's of the greatest substance known to man, which is you and your presence, your love, your joy, your peace. God, we could go on about what you bring. But Lord, there's a sense in us that we want to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. But God, if there's anything in our heart, that orphan spirit, God, that keeps us from trusting you, keep from relying on you, and keeping from opening our heart up to you, God, I pray that right now you would come and remove that from our life. God, maybe maybe we're here and we've never really given you our heart completely, 100%, and God, we know we definitely feel like an orphan in this world. God, I pray that you would, right now, welcome that person into your kingdom. Embrace them with a loving embrace. Father, restore them. Out of that, you just say, God, I give you my orphan heart. I don't want to live like an orphan anymore. I want to live like your son. I want to live like your daughter. And the God that you can be a loving father, the loving father that I've always needed, that I've always cried out for. But God, I want to delight in you. I want to learn what it means to delight in you. So, Lord, we just give that to you. And, Lord, give us your Father heart and father us and nurture us. Jesus. I just want to read something over as we're kind of just, um, kind of with our eyes kind of closed, just kind of you connecting to the Father. I just, I want to read a little something. This is just God's Word, changed tense, so that makes sense. But I'm just going to read God's word, what he says to you this morning. You are my offspring. 
I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You are not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. Because I love you with an everlasting love, my thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I have always been father and will always be father, and I delight in you. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your word, your love, and your adoption in your family. Let us live as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let us see ourselves. When we see ourselves in the mirror, we look back and we see a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Welcomed into your family and adopted fully. So Lord, I just thank you for your adoption into your family. Amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.